Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. What does it mean when Paul says all of Israel will be saved? Does that mean that every Jewish person who has been born in the past and now today and in the future, all of them will be in the kingdom of God? Is that the right way to understand that verse of Scripture? All Israel will be saved? Do you have the right prophetic expectations concerning Israel, both the land and the people? Well, the Apostle Paul did because he relied upon the Word of God. He wrote down things being inspired by the Holy Spirit. And if we take seriously the Word of God, then you and I, too, can have the right prophetic expectations concerning Israel and everything else that the Word of God touches on. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 11. The book of Romans, chapter 11, and we're going to begin with verse 25. Now, we've seen something. God has spoken about an olive tree, the kingdom of God. And he says that there were in the past these branches broken off, Jewish branches, in order that you, the nations, can be grafted in. And God has a wonderful plan, and that plan is this. He has called uniquely the Jewish people into a covenant with him that he might use them. When we speak about a call or a chosen people, it is for the purpose of God. And God wanted to use Israel in order to bless the nations of the world. This is what we see when you go back to the book of Genesis and chapter 12 and that Abrahamic covenant. And we see that God is going to use Israel even their disobedience. But remember a principle, one is never blessed by disobedience. They're not going to reap anything that's good through disobedience to God. But God is free. He's sovereign to use all things. He is not the cause of disobedience, but he can use disobedience in order to advance and fulfill his purposes. And we saw that Israel's transgression, their disobedience, brought about that gospel going forth to the world. And many non-Jews, Gentiles, came to faith. And the gospel has been mighty among the nations of the world. But we need to remember prophetically what God has said. And that is in the last days before the kingdom is established. He is going to bring a remnant to faith. And then the kingdom of God will be established. So let's look at exactly what Paul reveals to us. As I said, the book of Romans, chapter 11, 
Let's begin with verse 25. Now, he's speaking to believers, all believers, but especially here, those who are not of the Jewish descent. He says, for I do not want that you should be, many Bibles will say, ignorant. It's not the word ignorant. It is word against knowing. Now, this is important because it shows ignorance means perhaps I don't know this. I haven't been taught this. I'm unaware of it. But, but against knowing means God has revealed it. He has taught it. You have probably read it several times. But if you don't receive it, then you are against knowing. This word against knowing has a degree of rebelliousness within it. So let's translate literally what the scripture says. For I do not want you, brethren, to be against knowing this mystery. What is the mystery? That you are not uh, thinkers from yourselves. Now, he's speaking about a mystery. He wants us to know it. What is that mystery? He begins by saying, if you rely upon your own understanding, if you try to figure this out among yourselves based upon your own thought process, you are going to be against knowing. Why is that? Because all truth has to be received by revelation. So God does not want us to be wise in our own understanding, but rely upon his revelation, what the word of God, what the prophets of the Lord have revealed to us. So he says, do not be thinkers of your own. Now, some Bibles will say, do not be wise among yourselves. But the message is this, we have to rely. And what is that mystery? Well, look, he says, that the hardness, and then we have a very important phrase, apomeros. What is that? Two Greek words, which means in part. So partially. Now, this teaches us something, and that is this. There's always been Jewish believers. It began with the disciples and others. There's always been a remnant of Jewish believers down through the ages. But what we should anticipate in the last days, and one place we know this, is the prophecy of Zechariah, Zechariah, where he says in Zechariah chapter 12 that Messiah is going to return. This is his second coming. He is going to deliver the Jewish people. They are going to see his saving power in a physical sense, meaning delivering them from all the nations of the world. And they're going to look upon him, the scripture says, and they're going to mourn. They're going to recognize him as the crucified Savior, that one that, for the most part, was rejected by Israel. And there's going to be a great day of salvation. They are going to look upon the one who has been pierced, and they're going to receive him, understand that gospel. And a remnant, now we know what we mean by remnant, in that same prophecy of Zechariah, it says in the last days, two-thirds are going to be lost. That is, put to death during that time known as Etzerach Yaakov, this time of Jacob's trouble. And it pains me to say that. 
No individuals want to see people being lost, but it's going to happen. But one-third, one-third is going to be brought to faith. Faith in that same gospel message. How is that going to happen? Well, let's look again. Verse, verse 25, where it says, last part of the verse, because the hardening in part has happened to Israel. Now, this word for happening means something that has began in the past, from our standpoint, a long time ago. It's continued on, and it's going to go into the future until an event. And Paul reveals to us nothing uncertain. He reveals to us what is that event, what is that happening that's going to bring about a change, a spiritual change in the Jewish people. It says here that the hardening in part has happened to Israel until, until which the fullness of the nations, we could say the fullness of the Gentiles have entered in. What does that mean? Entering in? have entered into the kingdom of God, have been grafted in. So when the fullness of that Gentile world comes to faith, when that number, whatever it might be, only God knows, but when the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, come to faith, receive the gospel, then what does it say? Well, now look to the next verse, verse 26. We read, and thus... All Israel will be saved. Now, what is that term, all Israel? If you understand that to mean all the Jewish people, you have forgotten what we've learned. Israel has two distinct definitions. Remember, and I've gone to this verse several times, Romans chapter 9 and verse 6, where it says, not all of Israel is of Israel. What does that mean? Not all the Jewish people. That's the first understanding of Israel, Jewish people. Not all the Jewish people are of Israel. What's the second understanding? Kingdom people. And what did we just learn? The kingdom people are going to be comprised of both Gentiles, many of them, and also Jewish people. And so what Paul is saying is this. God has a plan, a program. He has judged something, and that's what it is. It is an Israel, a kingdom people, that is comprised of both Jew and Gentile. So what he says is this. We should expect that there be a Jewish component and a Gentile component for the kingdom of God. And when that Gentile component reaches its fullness, then God is going to turn to Israel, bring that remnant to salvation, and then we'll have all of Israel being saved, all the kingdom people, having been saved by the same means by the gospel. So look again at verse 26. And thus all Israel will be saved. How is that remnant going to come to faith, that Jewish remnant in the last day, to fulfill the full measure of the Jewish component of the kingdom of God? Well, he tells us. Keep reading in that same verse, verse 26. Just as it's been written. Now, what I like about Paul, what I like about the new covenant, what most people call the New Testament, 
is that it relies so heavily upon the old testament meaning this you read the new testament and it's the old testament that he uses the authors use in order to support what's being taught that is that there is that inherent connection that close relationship between the old and the new to understand the new you have to first understand the old so he quotes a scripture a scripture from the book of isaiah chapter 59 and verse 20. now here in the greek it says this just as it's been written the redeemer will come out of zion and will turn away the ungodliness from jacob now the hebrew text uvalitzion goel now it's a little bit different but oftentimes in translations when you render one language into another there's things that are not exactly the same and being inspired there's things that are emphasized so when we look at the greek text what it says the redeemer god's working redemption when does he work redemption that work was done on passover the festival of redemption when messiah was crucified so the redeemer he will come and some will say to zion that's the old testament but it says here out of zion what does that mean what's the nuance out of zion means out of that kingdom purpose out of that kingdom program he's coming to zion yes but for the purpose of the kingdom and he will turn away in hebrew we have the word pesha pesha means transgression but here we have a word which is broader it means ungodliness in every sense of that so in the new testament it's simply being emphasized that every aspect that is against the righteousness of god is going to be dealt with by messiah yeshua jesus christ in his work of redemption and it says and he will turn away ungodliness from jacob here jacob the jewish people so what he's saying is this when the full measure of the gentiles come in god is going to turn his attention back to the jewish people and he is going to what's going to happen the second coming messiah is going to come and do three things now there's other but three primary things i want to emphasize he is going to deliver israel both physically from their enemies and spiritually from all forms of ungodliness sin transgression iniquity he is going to redeem them fully in every aspect he is going to bring judgment upon the enemies of god that have gone up to make war against the jewish people and the third and final thing he's going to do is that he's going to establish the kingdom so the kingdom will not be established until that remnant of the jewish people are brought to faith and we've seen that paul has in the last two lessons before this have said we should expect that the problem is too many people don't too many people teach a false teaching of the replacement theology that god is finished with israel there's no more significance to the land of israel or the people of israel 
the Jewish people, generally speaking. And this is a false statement. This is not what Paul taught, what Paul revealed to us. So let's not be against knowing God's revelation and how and what must take place for the kingdom to be established. He also says, look now to verse 27, and this is my covenant with them, his covenant to them. He is going to fulfill his covenantal obligations. So he says, this is my covenant with them. When, and it literally means whenever, we don't know, whenever I will turn away or take away the sins, their sins. So we can expect something. God's faithful to his covenant. There is a time coming when God, in a mighty way, is going to take away the sins. Now, he's already done the work. When did he do the work? Nearly 2,000 years ago. Where? In Jerusalem. How? When he died upon the cross. But until one receives that, there's no merit. There is no effectiveness for that person until he receives it by faith. And this is what we should expect. There is coming a time. A time when a large remnant, one-third of the Jewish people, will in fact come to faith. He is going to redeem. He is going to turn away the sins and take away the sins of the Jewish people. And look now to verse 28. Now, here we have a construction. Two Greek words that are part of two different phrases. The two Greek words, men, day. When they are used in this construction, it speaks about, well, on one hand this, and on the other hand that. And this is what he's saying here. Look at verse 28. On one hand, according to the gospel, they are enemies. Why? On account of you. Meaning, God says, I'm going to use the Jewish people to bless the Gentiles. And they, in regard to the gospel, were enemies. All? No, but the majority in a general sense. And because of this rejection of the gospel that they were enemies, what happened? We've already been told. For two weeks, it says here that because of that, the, the gospel went to the world, that wealth to the nations, that, that richness to the, the uh, nations came about to the world. And he's saying that is part of his plan. So they were enemies previously of the, the gospel. But it says, on the other hand, in regard to election. Now, what's election? Don't believe false teachers that says election and predestination determines who's going to be in heaven and who's not. Election, that word is simply both in Hebrew and Greek. A word for choosing and God in his sovereignty has chosen Israel chosen them for a purpose that he might serve and therefore because of that notice what the scripture says but on the other hand in regard to election they are beloved on account of the fathers the patriarchs Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov Abraham Isaac and Jacob he is going to be faithful to the patriarchs and work to fulfill his covenant promises. But he's not going to violate any of his word. 
he says look now to verse verse 29 for irrevocable meaning it will not change that's why replacement theology is so unbiblical it implies god changed god doesn't change he says for irrevocable or unchangeable are the gifts and the calling of god what does that mean god called israel for a purpose and he equipped them he gave them gifts primarily his word and also abilities in order that they would be used by him to accomplish his purpose and even though there was a long time of disobedience and rebelliousness god's faithful to his word and he is going to bring about a fulfillment for every jewish person that has been born no if you die without faith whether you're a jew or a gentile makes no difference if you die without faith in the gospel you are eternally lost but god is going to bring a remnant of the jewish people to faith in the last days messiah is going to return they will look upon him and realize who he is what he's done and they are going to receive him as he provides a physical redemption from their enemies and ultimately a spiritual redemption when he takes away the sins their sins so we read here the the gifts and the calling of god is are irrevocable verse 29 now he's going to tell us about his plan he says here verse 29 for just as you who does he mean you he's talking to the gentiles just as you once meaning in the past formally here again he's talking about the gentiles in a general sense just as once you were disobedient to god think about that gentiles idolatry pagan religions and such and he says just as you in the past formally once were disobedient to god but now you are you are recipients of mercy you have been given mercy for this disobedience isn't that true god overlooked he paid the price but he forgave all of this iniquity of the nations when they ceased being disobedient and received the gospel he gave them mercy forgave for all of that disobedience in the past therefore he says now look at verse 31 he says thus also these now meaning in those last days they were disobedient and they were disobedient but god used it it says unto your your mercy remember what we said that disobedience brought the gospel the means of mercy to the world and he says just as now they were disobedient for your mercy in order also that they should receive mercy god is not a respecter of person so he says gentiles were disobedient but i gave them mercy and now and he means in the last days god is going to do the same thing the jewish people have been disobedient all no but in a general sense to the gospel and he is going to be merciful unto them why well notice what we read verse 32 for god has laid together meaning he has given over his wisdom his knowledge his plan understood 
that all, all people would be turned over for disobedience. That's how they would behave. God knew that. That's why his son went into the world in order that all, in the end, they would have the opportunity for what? To receive mercy. So what we need to learn is this. Everyone, Jew and Gentile alike, have been disobedient in the past. God knows that. That's why there's the gospel. That's why the cross came about. In order that he could potentially give mercy to every individual. That's his desire. That not one would be lost, not one would perish, but all would be brought to repentance and receive by faith the grace of God and be saved. But there's a remnant of the Gentiles and there's a remnant of the Jewish people that will do that. The kingdom people. Now look at verse 33. In regard to this plan, where God is giving mercy to all people, offering both Jew and Gentile. He says this, Oh, the depths of, of his richness, both wisdom and knowledge of God. So the depths of, of richness, the richness of God in mercy, both his wisdom and knowledge, they are what? Keep reading. He says, For unsearchable, Un, you cannot understand his judgments, the glory of them, and incomprehensible are his ways. So God is beyond us. That's why, remember what we saw early on, you can't think through this in your own selves and arrive at the proper conclusion. So he says, of the depths of, of his wealth, his richness, both of his wisdom and knowledge, the knowledge of God, they are un unsearchable, his judgments, and incomprehensible, his ways. For, for who knows the mind of the Lord? And who is his counselor? Who can become a counselor unto God? We don't counsel God. We simply accept what the word of God reveals. And then look at verse 35. He says, or who has given previously to him. Has there been a time in the past when God needed something and someone had to give God something? Absolutely not. That, keep reading it says, and that he should repay him. Is God a debtor? No. God's not a debtor to anyone, not in the past or in the future. He's a giver. And therefore, notice the last verse, verse 36, because from him, and through him and for him is all things. God is supreme. Look again, verse 36. Because from him and through him and for him is all things. To, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that is the outcome for everyone who receives the glory or the gospel everyone who receives the gospel they are going to want to glorify him and realize that everything that they possess it is received by him it is for him we utilize it in order to demonstrate glory the glory that we want to offer up to god by praising him and thanking him and worshiping for being our redeemer having saved us from all ungodliness. To him be the praise and the glory now and forever. Amen.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.